Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and in this episode we'll be looking back at some of the matches that were played in the midweek set of fixtures in Ligue 1. We'll also, of course, set our gaze forward to this coming weekend and preview some of the matches due to be played on the 28th and 29th of September. As always, I'm blessed to be in the company of my regular panellist and GFFN's favourite Angie fan, Thomas Wiseman. Now, if you don't know, Thomas is a bit of a glory hunter, you know, always just supporting the big teams that win everything <laughs> and do well. So, Thomas, how has it been in Angie Farm these days? Uh, it's pretty fun and exciting. Um, Jotting top of the league. Uh, wouldn't have thought it going into the season, but uh, good times. <laughs> we'll also be joined in this episode by our French friend, Philip Bargiel. Now, Philip's a PSG season ticket holder, although that's not something to really boast about these days, is it, Philip? Depends. It's okay when you beat Real Madrid 3 0, it's not as good when you struggle to beat Strasbourg or Lyon. And as you can imagine, we'll talk about that PSG Rams game in just a moment. Anyway, on to the football. Ten games were played across Tuesday and Wednesday this week, and it was Monaco who made the most of the scheduling as they picked up their first win of the season, dispatching Nice 3-1 in the Derby de la Côte d'Azur. Lille got back to form with a confident win over Strasbourg. Angers went second as they beat Toulouse, and the three Olympique clubs, Marseille, Lyon and Nîmes, all underwhelmed their fans with respective draws against Dijon, Brest and a defeat to Montpellier. Elsewhere, there were wins for Bordeaux, Metz and Nantes. However, we want to open with the most prominent result of match day 7, as PSG lost 2-0 to Stade de Rams. It was Rams' first win over PSG since, well, the final game of last season, actually. But don't let that convince you that this happens all the time. So, Philip, you were at the match. What's your review of the game, generally? Um, I think... Uh, it really doesn't happen often, uh, first of all, that I um, att- attend a game. And uh, even less than uh, I-, I watch us lose against a side that uh, isn't supposed to be isn't supposed to be beating us. I really don't mean uh, much uh, disrespect to um, uh, Stade de Reims, a uh, very historical um, club, uh, playing in the Champions League, played uh, against Real Madrid. They had the best, uh, the best uh, French score in, in World Cup history, actually the best the score in World Cup history period, but uh, I went to a game with uh, with a colleague last season. We won four one, and and yesterday we we lost two uh, 0 Not going to say that I was um, I predicted that we would lose, but uh, when I saw the team sheet, first of all we saw we um, my colleague and myself thought, uh, what's the deal? What what formation are we playing? We're we playing with two left backs because um, we were hearing the speaker. I, I don't really watch. Um, go on the Twitter or, or Sakurai or any of that on those apps who tells you who who plays who what's the starting eleven like and who plays where because first of all they don't have a, they don't have a bloody clue about who plays where until the start of the match. Uh, so we had the yeah we had the Bernard and Kozawa um, who had two left backs. So it was always going to be interesting to see who was playing where. And in midfield we had Andre Herrera who was coming back from injury and. I, I would enjoy if some Man United fans could um, could uh, 
send us tweets or comments or whatever and tell us what this guy is good at because it wasn't very it wasn't very inspiring so maybe you know uh, you obviously you probably watch more Premiership than me uh, Paredes who uh, really should be should never be playing in this league again he's just not suited to it and Bernard was actually playing in midfield leaving Kozawa at left back we had uh, Kozawa's opposite number was MB uh, Sore um, a very young, untried uh, striker. First of all, wasn't that bad, but uh, he got uh, yeah, he got murdered in the press. And uh, then we got an injury, and we seem to get to get them uh, quite quite a lot. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got Draxler, that's from Tim. We've got Mbappe, Cavani, uh, Icardi, and now Supermoting. Now I would I would I believe loads of sides would struggle against that, but it's not, that's not the point actually. Reims defended superbly. Reims are the best defense in the league, and there's a reason for that. The ratings have been extraordinary. Uh, Foket, who's not been a great, uh, who, he was not he's not very good. Foket is Reims' right back. He's not very good with the ball. He's, he's not a good cross of the ball. He doesn't he doesn't have much pace. So offensively, he's, he's pretty he's pretty rubbish. But he's, he he did he did cross the ball for that wonder, wonderful goal for Bradia. So basically, the, the midfield is not very good. I honestly didn't think we played that well against Real Madrid, even though we beat them 3-0. It's just that Real Madrid was so awful that uh, it was it was okay. It didn't even feel like a big win. It felt, oh well, poor Real Madrid, you, you're going to have a long, hard season and we'll be fine. And without, first of all, without Di Maria, we we uh, we had nil-nil at halftime against Real Madrid. And without Neymar, we draw two games nil-nil uh, with very, very little chances created. So there, there are some questions to be asked about. Um, who's a boss in midfield? Who, what what is happening in, in midfield? It's it's very. I'm not I'm not worried yet, honestly. And I I do believe we'll win the, win the title. There's no no real danger. I don't see anyone capable uh, of uh, challenging us. I'm sorry, Tom, because I just can't believe Angie will. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, maybe Lille, uh, Lyon. It's very, very tough. I'm talking to loads of your fans at the moment. Apparently, it's well, it's quite boring. I mean, they played with 10 men behind the ball against us. So I think we're going to win the title still, but we need to do something about that midfield, about uh, creativity, about, um, let's let's say, uh, stamina, because so that midfield three... I'm not, I'm not having a dig at the Bernard because it's not his position and he shouldn't have been played there, but honestly, I, I saw that Tuchel uh, saw that... Um, We'd beat Reims uh, even playing our, our youngsters. But Reims has a, is the best defense in the league, and uh, they deservedly won. I mean, the, the, the game plan was uh, was perfect. The goals were very good. It's just, uh, yeah, it's one it's one of those things I, that I actually do enjoy because you can say more things in a in a defeat, which is, it was still a humbling defeat, you know, uh, than in a five 0 win. In a five 0 win, all you can say is that yeah, we played okay. So you know it's uh, yeah. Let's hope uh, uh, our next home game is uh, is better against Norway. So you you mentioned a lot about the team selection there. You know when you look at it, it's quite obviously a weakened team with Bernat in midfield, Kojawa drafted in, and even the youngster Luik Imbis so playing it right back when he's usually more of a centre half. When you look at the the players who are currently out for PSG, like Colin Dagba, Cavani, Mbappé, Thilo Kehe, and also Julian Draxler. Have they just been unlucky with injuries, 
Or is this quite naive from PSG? Should they have strengthened in more positions over the summer? Do you think, Philip? I think I think people who uh, who actually um, watch football for what it is, like uh, players um, trying to play football and just not big names like Neymar or Zlatan Ibrahimovic, will tell you that it's been a rather good, uh, reasonable. Uh, the word is reasonable um, summer for PSG. Um, and yeah, I think it's been just uh, plain unlucky. I mean, very, very unlucky. Like Arsenal unlucky. <laughs> no, it won't. I, I don't think it will last. I think. Uh, I think um, in October we'll get most of our guys back. Not quite. Not quite sure until when each and every one is out. But uh, first of all, if you get you put Marquinhos in midfield, uh, Draxler, if uh, if he is coming back, uh, when when he is coming back, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. But no, I think it's just down to um, yeah a jinx. I hope so anyway. But I mean, I could, honestly, we haven't seen the the Fortuna's PSG uh, side yet, have we? No. No. So yeah, no. I think I think that's why I think we'll be fine. It's just that you put you put you put five, six, even seven injuries. I think it's not yeah. putting Dagba as as a world class player just yet. Uh, but if you if you take out uh, six key players out of any given team, they're going to have problems. So it's, yeah. To, to me, to me, uh, well, you know, um, the, the optimist, let's say. Yeah, it's almost getting to Monaco levels last season of injury mm. problems. But are fans quite, are fans in Paris quite aware of the issues that Tuchel's having to deal with? Or do they think that his team could be doing a bit better? Because, you know, a, a Tuna loss to Rams, they only beat Leon 1-0, who haven't been great recently. You know, what are the opinions on Tuchel right now in the in the PSG fan base? Basically, the people around here uh, are just getting out of, uh, uh, out of the whole Neymar saga. And I don't even think a, a lot of people, even the pundits, uh, actually uh, took a step back and thought about that actual performance on the pitch. I mean, Neymar, when 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 his name was being um, announced as a speaker, uh, the ultras um, booed him. So for two seconds, was it, they still booed him, even though they, they actually wrote uh, on their on their website and on social media that uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't be doing that anymore. But they're still doing it. And I think I think people have not really um, digested that. Uh, this whole summer, but that now that we lost against, sorry, against Haas, um, maybe it, it, it will open uh, people's eyes because loads, uh, a lot of, of French football fans, uh, well, obviously the public pass is not that big, it's 45,000, uh, but a lot of them wouldn't, would probably not watch watch the games uh, given the, the time of kickoff or whatever, and uh, they'll say, uh, oh, Okay, one nil. Neymar scored. Good, as usual. The usual. And now, defeat to us, and people will say, "Hold on, uh, something's going on, and something is going on." So, in this match, we did see PSG's defence, you know, get breached twice by the Rams' attack, which isn't that great in itself. Rams haven't been overly impressive going forward this season, but this brings up a debate, you know. PSG's backline in this match was Kojawa at left-back, Kimpembe and Diallo in the middle, and like I said earlier, Loic and Besso, very young defender at right-back. If everyone's fit and they're playing you know, the, the biggest match of the season, 
who would you have in your defence? Firstly, I want to know if you would play a back four or a back three, and then who your personnel would be for those positions. So, Philip, I'll start with you. Who would you have in your ideal PSG defence if everyone was fit? Uh, I would I would say with a back four. I think uh, Tuchel tried tried a couple of times the back three hasn't really worked out. Um, I would say uh, Munier right back. He need he needs actually Munier is is another one who needs to to step up and and, and kick off his season because he's not been good enough. Uh, he's not but uh, he's still our best right back I believe at the club. I'd say uh, a um, central pairing of Thiago and Thiago Silva and Bernat uh, at as the left back. Right, uh, Thomas. Who would you have as your defence? I was going to say exactly exact the same thing, really, um, to what Phil said there. Uh, it, it seems it seems set up like that. Um, I'm, I'm wondering whether to put Marquinhos in defence or put him in midfield. I, I like him in both spots, and he, he he's pretty brilliant in in both positions. Um, but I think you, you probably do still need. Thiago Silva um, in that position alongside Diallo, who can um, deputise well at left back if needed, and if if um, Bernat you know drives forward, then he can easily cover that that position uh, easily. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the best the best um, best back line for for PSG at the moment. But Thiago Silva, this could be perhaps his last his last season there. You might you might see Marquinhos drop into that into that position next year. So, PSG's next match uh, is going to be away to Bordeaux. Now, PSG haven't been very good on the road recently with six defeats in their last, in their last nine away matches. Is this another obstacle that they could easily trip over, Philip? I, I, hope, I hope not. Um, I don't think Bordeaux has um, compact defensively. Um, not sure what Paulo Souza is like uh, in terms of... Um, of um, Gaming Petters. Um haven't uh, haven't really watched uh, watched Bordeaux yet, but I would um, yeah I would uh, I would I would say I would say there would be a bit more uh, a bit more freedom up top. Um, they they play three at the back. That's a pretty adventurous. They play three five two three five two or three four three I believe three four two one I think, um, and uh, I think that's a quite adventurous um, forward line and that. You know, they've they've been beaten by us many many times since uh, since they won the title a decade ago. So yeah, I would I would I would think I would think they wouldn't <laughs> that they wouldn't defend as well as us. Actually, you know, nobody can, I believe. So no, I wouldn't. I'm not I'm not worried just yet. So let's shift our focus onto PSG's opponents in that last match, which was Ramps. Thomas, where do you want to start? There were so many good individual performances here you know we could talk about Predrag Rajkovic or someone I know you're a big fan of Thomas you've been mentioning him here and there over the last few weeks of the podcast and that's been Marshall Minetzi hasn't it how has he been yeah it was his it was his first start and he was I think he was man of the match for me um he completely shut uh Paredes down in that midfield and, and owned and really owned the center of the pitch um just really um, combative, you know, his tackling was on point. He's he was not getting caught out of position anywhere. He was he was he, he knew where where to be um, at any any time. And his his cross for the 
um, the first goal for, for, for Kamara was really, 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 really good and really well taken. He was given quite a lot of time, but it was a, it was a good shift um, sort of beyond, uh, beyond the player on the right-hand side and it was a really great cross. Uh, a brilliant start, you know, um, to, his, to his league and career and hopefully more to come. Yeah, this Ramside, when you start looking into the, the bare bones of it, David Guion's starting to put together quite an exciting side. So against PSG, their starting 11 had an average age of just 23.1 years old. You know, like I've said, you've had some interesting players on the pitch like Predrag Rajkovic in goal, also um, Marshall Manetze in the midfield, even Nathaniel Mbuku, who's only 17 years old, started at attacking midfield. Generally, this Ram side is quite the exciting one, isn't, isn't it? With those players that I just mentioned, but also people like Remy Udan and Bully Dia, both 22 years old, who were sitting on the bench. It just shows the wealth of young talent that this Ram side has at their disposal, Thomas. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the standout um, for me as well in that game was was both Conan and, and Kamara down the left-hand side. They're both... Mm. They're both really left backs, um, but they were—it was they were really dangerous um, down that flank, just swapping in and changing between them. Um, it's great to see Conan back in in good form after after a really um, harsh injury last season, and he was he was passionate uh, throughout the game and and uh, had, a, had a good good one alongside onside Kamara. Another player that's caught my eye this season has been Axel de Sassi. Hasn't he? He's a centre back who has replaced Bjorn Engels, who was one of Rams's better players last season. The centre back moved from Rams to Aston Villa in the summer. But Axel de Sassi, only 21 years old, got brought up from the Rams's second team right into the first team. Not something that he's done on too many occasions in the last few years. But he's really floated rather than sank since being in the team, hasn't he? I mean, he is a mighty, mighty. Player, he's he's um, he's a a, a specimen. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's just huge. Um, Six foot but, three, I think. Yeah, yeah, but he's very very broad. Um, yeah, he was he was really really good. His anticipation was good. He was, I mean, he basically won everything that that came towards him. I remember um, it was sort of last couple of minutes. Uh, it might have been in the lead up to the second goal where he, I think it was a, there was a. Um, a ball played across uh, just in front of the uh, the box. I think it was going to Neymar, and he just stuck out his leg and intercepts it really well. Um, he had a, a a great game, and I was concerned when when uh, Bjorn Angles did move on. But having somebody like De Sassi alongside um, Abdelhamid uh, is just brilliant, and another another player to slot into that to that um, strong strong grounds uh, defence. Yeah. Who really stole the show for me uh, last night? I mean, yeah, yeah, as uh, a number ten, and he's not even a he's not even a, a professional professional player yet. He's just out of, out of the youth squad. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was saying my colleague. I said, you know, signing up before someone else does is, I mean, very very promising. So let's move on to another match that happened in midweek, and this was Leon against Brestois. This match finished 2-2 with the goals coming from Maxwell Cornet, Moussa Dembele and a brace from Juan Court for Brest. So in the media recently, Silvino, the manager of Lyon, has been talking a lot about fear 
after the match he was quoted with saying we lack confidence and that creates fear this is what he said but really philip should a team like leon be scared of a team like newly promoted brest no, no, no. They shouldn't. They shouldn't with with uh, such type of players. I mean, there's he, he's being he's being extremely cautious. And if if you look at the club, uh, it's just it's just what the club does. I mean, the, the club has has some very very bad games, yes. But um, on top of that, they can beat sides like Manchester City away in the Champions League. It's just not going to happen this season. It's just not going to happen. Uh, with uh, with so much caution, he doesn't make the substitute the, the subs uh, early enough, um, and uh, physically the, the fans, most of the fans I, I speak to, I mean the, the Lyon players look phys- physically dead after half an hour. I mean that's that's, that's a real problem. So you've got so you've got very very little physical ability in a very physical league. Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's say the things as they are. And uh, m- most of the time, he only makes his first sub uh, one um, uh, after the after the half, after the middle of the second half, or something like that. And and the subs aren't, aren't that good. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it was an especially bad move to play three five two against PSG, but they just didn't do anything, and that's the problem. That's a big that's a big problem. And um, I've seen I've seen tweets something like I think I think it's um, this weekend or the weekend after next that we've got the big uh, the big derby at Saint Etienne who are not not doing too well either and uh, basically people are saying if he doesn't win this one he he's done because the ultras are going to turn on him and if the ultras turn on him the fans are going to turn on him. Do you think this early in his Leon career, Silvino has already deserving to be shown the door to be? To be sacked already. See, it's local, you know, it's local rivalry, and uh, the football's been garbage. So it's not because the, the, the fans want him out that he's going to be out. I mean, Genizio, uh was um, uh, kept his spot uh, months. I mean, literally, probably something up to six months uh, after the after the bad goings, the bad goings in the ultra, the big ultra group, and uh, for Olympique Lyonnais. Um, Everybody wanted him out, but all I said, no, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to replace it with someone worse. Um, so, I, I, honestly, honestly, I just can't see him uh, being out of a job um, before Christmas. And the big thing is, what do you do with Juninho? Just what do you do? Mm. Because this is you can't you can't just sack Juninho. You can't if, if Silvino came with. With some 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 nobody who didn't know about the club who didn't who didn't who wasn't a pioneer in one of one of I mean the best period of, of the club's history, you can say okay both of them are out, uh, you, you, the football's boring, uh, the, the players are not are not responding well to you, are not responding well to your training methods, uh, you you're losing the derby, you're losing the fans, I mean get out. This is Juninho, and that's probably what's going to save him. For a couple of months, yeah, and maybe we'll get better. I don't know. One must be optimistic, but at this moment in time, don't think so. Thomas, do you think that at the moment he's kind of just rotating his team? Like, does he know his best eleven? In the last few matches, it's been some some questionable selections to say the least. 
for instance, against Brest, players like Lucas Toussaint, Martin Terrier, uh, even Kenny Tete came back into the team, and Maxwell Cornet, who haven't exactly been starters in recent weeks. Do you think this was a bit of a reaction from the poor performances he's been getting recently with more trusted players? And do you think he was just trying to rotate it in a bid to get a better performance? But that didn't really happen. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, he was trying to see if he can. He doesn't know what his best his best lineup is, and I think that's that's a difficult thing. And I think we mentioned it. We give him some advice a couple of podcasts back with yeah. with him afield. Um, but it, putting both Mendes and Toussaint in that in that same area of the pitch where they're both very very good players, but there's not much need for them both to be there. Um, it it just it's just it's it's concerning and with 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 Silvino, um, I've got to touch on something uh, Phil mentioned. I think that the the fans at, at Lyon were so eager to get rid of Genesio and just have anybody they could they could have taken anybody in just to get rid of Genesio that they haven't really considered Silvino's appointment until these results have been going badly and they've thought, oh wait a minute. Who we actually brought in? Um, that's that's the that's the concern now. Um, is they've they've got this manager, this this coach in, um, who isn't an upgrade on Genesio at all. That's yeah, the thing though. People were excited. Yeah, were excited yeah. to to get rid of Genesio, and they were excited to have Janino back. And if it meant yeah, but if it really... was in the hot seat, it, but if it meant Janino. Uh, with yeah. the, of the staff of the club I mean they could have brought anyone in honestly it, it, it didn't matter it just didn't matter so what was important is that Juninho was a member of the staff and that was that was very important and you, you can just tell people are so disappointed with, with the lack of uh, with the lack of, uh, of football in general I mean that, that, that's the worst part is that uh, I, I honestly believe that fans have been waiting for this moment uh, ever since Juninho retired Ever since Juninho left Olympique Lyonnais as a player, and I said, "Make you come back. You can come back whenever you want. Like, you're a legend here." Sometimes it, it just it just doesn't work well. I'm not saying it's all do- all doom and gloom that it's over. You're rubbish. They're going to go down with Saint Etienne. Uh, but it's just. I mean, I, I can. You can just feel the frustration uh, in in those, those tweets and conversations. Um, from uh, Lyon fans it's, it, I mean you, you feel for them you honestly do so I mean I know we're still quite early into Silvino and Juninho's time at Lyon but it's, it is starting to look as if this was a, a naive appointment this, this just wasn't the right manager for the job isn't it you know like Lyon have got a really good squad yeah. they do who actually knows? I mean who knows it we just, just just yeah, it just, I mean, I mean, for we know, it, it could have been a great, great thing. I mean, uh, after the Angers game, you can't, you can't tell me that people are saying, okay, you are, you are, there's a, the, the season is up and running. You can't tell me that the people were not impressed with the whole thing. I mean, I know people were impressed with Angers goalkeeper, but <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it, it basically, it basically said. You won at Monaco 3-0, they beat Angers 4-0, they got two, ga- two games, two wins, seven goals scored, non-conceded. And that's, and people, people myself included, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm you know, more intelligent than the rest of the, the, rest of the world. Um, 
and and now you've got this. Now you've got now you've got Lyon playing Catenaccio against Paris Saint Germain and failing to win at best. No disrespect to Brest. It was against against PSG. There was uh, in in previous games, you know, last couple of seasons, they did still sit quite deep, but there was that fear, there was that danger on the counter attack, and there's that danger of breaking through. But when they in that game, there wasn't. It, they just they just sort of kind of rolled over and and let PSG just just play at them. And a quick note on their opponents, uh, which were Brest. Brest right now are just very good at matching whoever they play, but they never really they never really exceed their performance. They've been getting a lot of draws recently against very good teams in Lyon, but also against worse teams. But they can never really you know excel and and get a few wins. And Thomas, that might hold them back this season. Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, the results so far, I think they've had five five draws, which is pretty phenomenal out of seven games yeah um it, yeah it, it is it is um potential a potential concern for them but the, you see the football they're playing and and it's great to see uh, Dalglio back in back in league and coaching um they've got a lot of young players that have come through from league there um that will develop as this, as the season goes on i'm not too i'm not overly concerned um about their chances of getting relegated uh, just yet um, but the thing with draws you know it's it's either you're close to, to losing that game or you, you're, you're close to winning it and in this in this game against Leon, they were the better side you know they, they should have won it it was only two two individual mistakes from from both midfielders that gave gave Leon the chances uh, to score um, but it's it's a promising start even though you know the the point tally may may not show it at the moment yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to another match that was played in midweek, which was Lille's hosting of Strasbourg. Lille won 2-0 with, of course, Victor Simhen getting on the score sheet alongside the stalwart Loic Remy. So, Thomas, how would you evaluate Lille's season so far? They were quite dominant in this one, but that's not really been something we've seen on a consistent basis from Lille, from Lille this season. Yeah, it's just it's. I think because of the the movement around the squad, with obviously a Simon coming in and Sanchez um, into the squad, and it, it's a little bit a, a, a transition still. So they'll they'll be it, it's it, it's not going to be a consistent um, campaign as much as we saw uh, last year when they were just rolling over teams week after week. Um, but they've got. A Simhan now who's just he just keeps scoring and he's sort of he's sort of carrying them along uh, at the moment. Um, all six goals coming in, coming at home. Um, so he's he's a real uh, they really do must love him at the uh, PMOR. Yeah, absolutely. And a player that's still to really hit the heights right now, though, is Yusuf Yassizi, isn't it? You know, he's a slightly different type of player to Nicola Pepe, as much as he was him and Timothy Weah were kind of brought in to replace him. But he's not really got into the groove of the season yet, has he? No, uh, not as not as yet. Um, but I don't think you can take you can really make any any real judgments um, on his performance just yet. Uh, obviously, he's, he's come from from Turkey uh, it, it can be difficult for players to to adjust to to new leagues um, from Turkey we've seen that in Premier League quite a lot as well 
Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any judgments for his performance. He's, he's shown flashes of, of real uh, promise and, and talent. He's, he's still very, very young. Um, so I think there's more, there's more to for him to come uh, in the, in the, in the season. He'll probably still be used in and out of the team as a, as a, as a sub, and then as the season goes on, perhaps he'll be, he'll be more of a in that starting eleven. And Philip. Lille travel to Nice next in, in that match. How do you see that one going? Lille really need to start putting together a bit of momentum, don't they? I mean, the game the game at Aachen on Sunday was very entertaining. Um, and they're winning their home games. They won all of their home games. And the thing is, um, there's not that many sides who have that kind of momentum. I mean, except Angers, of course. But uh, with, uh, I mean, at home, there's, there's, those are the two best sides. And if they can do, do that, that, thing, that thing that they do in winning every home game and drawing away, I mean, I just can't see anyone else um, being able to, uh, to follow that um, momentum. So I, I honestly don't think they have, to, they have to beat Nice. I mean, if they keep their... Making this a Stade Pierre fortress, it'll be it'll be fine. But the big problem is the Champions League. How are they going to be in December? Nobody can. I mean, who who can who can tell? They didn't play that badly uh, at uh, Amsterdam, but uh, still lost. And uh, every time you lose, there's this uh, there's this big risk of uh, saying, uh, well, you know, confidence is down. And you know, it's uh, that's which is which is fair enough. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, uh, I, I think they're still a very, very tough side to beat, and that Nice aren't having to. I mean, they're they're doing okay, but uh, if you know, if Lille win, if Lille win that game at uh, at the Allianz Riviera, wouldn't be wouldn't be that surprising, and I don't, I just don't see uh, don't see the Nice fans being that um, that uh, that surprised either. I mean, they do. They, I mean, they they did. <laughs> they lost to Monaco, and. Um, yeah, they do. They do lose a couple of, the, of games, but I can I can see Lille staying the top three most of the season, um, and uh, Nice uh, staying staying with they are, which is top half. But it's just not it's just not the same um, aims, I think. So Lille's opponents in that match just gone was Strasbourg, and Strasbourg, as we've talked about on the podcast, have had a difficult start to the season. Um, up, Due to their Europa League commitments, you know they've had a, a lot of matches in quick succession in the qualifiers, and it still looks as if they're really to get into the groove of the season. But I was looking at their starting eleven against Lille, and there is quite an interesting midfield slash right sides coming together with Ibrahima Suzoko and also Jean Rignard Belgarde, who recently signed from Lons in League Two, but also Mohamed Samakin, a very young right back who has already has experience playing in the Europa League for Strasbourg. So, firstly, Thomas, what do you think of those uh, two midfielders so far? And also, Mohamed Samakin, have they been right to start him in such big matches in the Europa League? Has he merited that start? Yeah, I think so. I mean, every, every game, I, I haven't really, see, um, I haven't really uh, watched him have a, a bad performance um, in all the games. Um, you, Looking at him, you, you'd think he's more of a, a central, a central defender player, but he's he's really quite good um, 
and imposing down that that right hand side. And he does get forward um, quite well. I remember the, the game against, I think it was a uh, Ren game, and he was just constantly um, down that down that right hand side. Was, the two midfielders, I mean, it's, it's both that I've, I've seen in in league before. Both I wanted Angers, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's good that I've attracted uh, Bellegard. He was he was somebody at, at Lawns that was um, he was. He was in and out of the squad uh, quite a lot. Had had some injury injury issues, uh, and I think he, he decided, you know, it was it was time to to move on from there. And with the potential appeal of of European football, you know, Strasbourg was a um, a great a great idea for him. He's still very very young. Um, Sissoko again um, was was really uh, promising in, in lead day. He's been there. A season now, he had, he had a, a pretty good debut season. Um, he still uh, has has his moments. He's quite rash at times, and commits the odd foul too too many. Um, but you can see that the 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 uh, impetus and the talent is there from from both these players, and it's exciting exciting to see that um, Thierry Loire uh, has, has has given faith uh, in in them, and it's gonna it's gonna prove uh, prove like a really good decision. Uh, going forward, I believe that uh, Sissoko missed the um, the uh, Europa League playoff against Frankfurt, the second leg, and that uh, I mean I, uh, I think I think it was Sissoko that his absence was very deeply felt uh, in that uh, in that game because Order Sebastian Order Frankfurt basically did whatever he wanted with the with the Strasbourg midfield. That I mean, I'm not saying that had he played it would have changed much, uh, but uh, it certainly. One of the one of the most important players of uh, Strasbourg's starting eleven. So let's move on to our last match that we're going to review uh, ahead of our previews later on in the episode, and this was uh, the derby I was talking about earlier, the derby de la Côte d'Azur between Monaco and Nice. This one finished 3-1 to the home side, Monaco, with Alexander Golovan finally showing his worth with two goals alongside Wissam Ben Yedder, who scored from off the bench. Patrick Berner equalised to make it 1-1 for uh, Nice, but eventually Monaco did get back into the game and won 3-1. Finally, a win for Monaco, but Thomas, was it deserved? Yeah, it was. Um, they, they finally did win win a game, which is, uh, I think it's a it's going to buoy them for, probably, I think it might buoy them for the next, next couple. Um, with I mean, Golovan was a completely different player than we've seen over the past, you know, over the past year or so. Um, he was really, really sharp. Uh, he was he was doing everything in the field, everything sort of of um, filtered filtered through him. And so the um, both goals were, were brilliant, uh, brilliant finishes, and, and great control for for the second goal. Um, just just great anticipation um, to, to score both of them. And it's and I'm, I'm looking at that midfield now of of Fabregas, Bakayoko, and and Golovan. It looks it looks impressive. I mean, you have got Fabregas that is is physically and mobility wise, he is he is limited, um, but he can still create and and gives you that consistent um, possession player from deep. You know, uh, Bakayoko can provide that that physical that physical force and. and Steel in the field, which Monaco have lacked in the in the past uh, in the past season, and it gives that that, that 
progression um, out of pressure to, to Golovan, who's a little bit more of a, a looser role, like a, a creative eight, um, and he can pick up just spots and, and sort of um, holes in a uh, space within the lines to to, to really create. And you've, you had them, Ben Yedder and, and Slimani, who've been have been really really good. I mean, Ben Yedder started started off brilliant. I mean, great finishes from both the players. Seems to have a, a, a really good partnership forming there. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, things are, are getting back on track for for Monaco. But Nice were were very poor in this game. Um, and it was, I think Vieira has got all these these new players into the squad and doesn't really know where to to put them. I mean, I I, I much prefer Atal as a as a wing back. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just get just getting forward and 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 you know barreling forward. Um, yeah, but from the back, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. from the back instead instead of starting so and starting. Hi. Are starting so high up, mm. um, he's not got that opportunity to do so. And, and somebody like Patrick Berner doesn't have doesn't have that attribute to to help out or or try and alternate between the two players. So I'd I'd, I'd probably like to see Vieira put him back back um, as a fullback or, or, or wing back because it did really didn't work um, this time around. Um, yeah, that's it's a. It wasn't a great game from Nice, but Monaco certainly did deserve to win it. And there was there was some kind of atmosphere <laughs> that you usually don't see <laughs> at the Stade Louis de. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Jardim's uh, happy with that. So he's got so much pace, this Youssef Attal, and he's probably one. one uh, he's probably Nice's best player. Uh, what, mm. what? 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 Uh, if, if if I may, if I may say something about Monaco's starting lineup, I've been hearing stuff before before the actual game that's. Uh, oh, this is a starting line. This is a starting eleven. This is this is so poor. I mean, am I the only one who thinks that that starting eleven, on paper at least, looks pretty good? When everything's happening, yeah. everything's happening. Yeah. I don't know if if Tim is. Uh, I mean, uh, how how is Bakayoko adjusting back to life in France? Is it is it actually good or is it? Is, is, he, is he always going to be Fabinho's watchdog for, for the rest of his career? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's I mean he's not he's not been you know amazing, really explosive, but well, there is yeah. there is signs there that he he's he's had a he's had a tough he had a tough year, but in England and he, he was he was good for for Milan last year. Um, mm. I think he's just getting him, him back on track, and I mean it's Monaco's a, a bit of a, a mess these these past few months, um, but hopefully he'll 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 settle down. I think he's just given them a bit of a physical presence, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's what they didn't have, really. I mean, they were putting Jemison in defence midfield, and <laughs> I mean, he's not a he's not a great defender anymore, and he's certainly not a great defence midfielder. Nah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say about <laughs> Jemison. He just didn't know positionally where to go in centre mid. He had too much space yeah. that he knew what to do with. Yes, speaking of Monaco players in Italy, uh, I couldn't help but notice, Lewis, that Keita Ubaldi didn't start, and that... Um, uh, Camille Gleek didn't start. To mm. me, it's a bit of a you know a link between that and Monaco playing not too badly. <laughs> well, you were you were tweeting me earlier this week, yeah. weren't you, about Keita Baldi, Philip? Yeah, he's always yeah yeah. He's Give always had a certain quality about it. It's just that you know we don't know what it is. So that's but Gleek. I mean, if if Jardim is finally saying to Gleek, you stay on the bench because you're good, you're good enough. That's a huge step forward, isn't it? 
I don't yeah, think certainly. Don't yeah, think he's been do. good enough for a year and a half now, to be honest. Mm. Mm. No, it, no, that should have been done yeah, uh, 18 months ago. And Maripan looks, looks okay. Yeah, Maripan's impressions coming out, actually. Yeah, yeah, we've seen we've seen Benjamin and Lecomte play instead of yeah. whoever was occupying his body for the past few months, <laughs> which possessing him. Yeah, so he was getting, he was he was possessed surely, but yeah, he's he's um, actually making saves now instead of uh, just mm. sort of letting the ball go through. Yeah, you've actually nicely segued this conversation quite well because I wanted to talk about another big part of Monaco's defence now. So usually when a 17-year-old gets put into a team, I feel like a lot of people overhype a lot of players. Uh, Case and point, I don't know if any of you will recognise this name, but Jonathan Lako, when he played for West Brom, he was 17 about six years ago and he came on and everyone was like, wow, this kid's amazing. He's now not that good at football. Um, but anyway, uh, another player who has caught my eye and I just want to know what your general opinions on him is Benoit Badiashile. You know, he was quite hyped up when he came into the team and he's still quite young at 18 years old. But do we still think that he can make it to the top? Do we still think that he's going to be as such a good player that many people thought he was going to be towards the tail end of last season. What do you think about this, Thomas? Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's still very, very young. Yeah. Um, so there's there's, a, there's still um, a huge amount of progression to do. But, I mean, it's not it's not great for somebody's development when they're in such a, a chaotic scenario that, that Monaco have, have been in um, for, for quite a while. And, and playing alongside Glick and... And Jemison um, obviously gives you teaches you some some good lessons, but you know when you when you're trying to to sort of cover for their mistakes, um, it doesn't really help your 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 your, your development or your or your real confidence in, in in yourself. I mean, he's he's obviously he's still very very young, but there's a lot of potential there. And it's another one of these. It's another one uh, another French centre back that. Just has, has come through and and he's he's now playing. I think I don't think he's got through to the under twenty ones yet, but I think he's slowly um, been climbing up through the through the um, the ladder of the under under twenty. I think under nineteens team, under eighteens team. Um, so yeah, he, he should be he should be consistently playing for Monaco. That's that's for certain. Um, if Glick is hopefully starting to get dropped, uh, maybe Badia Chile forms that. That pairing alongside uh, alongside um, uh, uh, Maripan um, in in that back line and and hopefully should have a um, a, a strong follow up season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick note on their opponents in that match: Nice. They currently sit seventh. Uh, but Philip, should they be pretty happy with that, considering all the changes that have happened at the club? Yes. Yes, very much. I think Sevens is even uh, flatters them a bit. I mean, they've got good players. Um, they've got uh, well, we already mentioned we already mentioned um, we mentioned Atal. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, the squad is the squad is okay. I do. I am impressed. There's been a lot of missed penalties this uh, this season already after seven games. Um, Ren missed two, I believe. Uh, so zero out of two. And then we've got Wylan Cyprien, 
um, scoring three out of three. That's pretty. I mean, that's pretty good. It's not. You know, it's not going to make them Champions League <laughs> or whatever. But uh, you know, got to score your penalties. Adam Unas is a good. Is a good player. Safi is Safi is okay. The jury is a bit out on Casper Dolberg, but and uh, Michael Dubion. I mean, when is it? When is he going to get injured, or you know, if he is he is he going to play for the next six months? That's always a, a big a big question. I personally don't rate uh, Mizian Molida. Uh, I think he's a league league two standard player. Mm, you know, upper top half, top half. But you know, yeah. the club uh, Europa League would kill this club, honestly. They just wouldn't be able to cope with it. You think? Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe Casper Dolberg has had a lot on his mind. You know, have you heard about all this watch debacle? So apparently, the story goes that he had yeah. his watch stolen from his locker um, uh, at, the, at the club. And there's been developments today about who they think did it. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to chuck someone under the bus if it doesn't happen to actually be them. But yeah, it's, it's a really weird story that came out of the club. You know, him only recently joining from Ajax and he's already had a watch that apparently was worth 70,000 euros getting stolen from his locker. I can understand how you'd be a bit peeved. A bit annoyed, uh, really. Um, yeah, I can understand if uh, someone uh, you know uh, who is not a player, who is not uh, earning something like uh, tens of thousands of euros every month, uh, let, let's just say he's earning, uh, I don't know, close to something like uh, two grand, two grand a month. He sees a watch that's worth seventy, seventeen. Mm. He said, "Yeah." I can understand that he could take it and, and sell it on the black market and make a small fortune. Probably. Bit, mm. bit of a strange situation. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to one of the three previews we're going to do in this episode. And the first one I want to look at is Marseille versus Rennes. So Marseille had been picking up a little bit of form, but recently, in midweek, they did draw nil-nil with a very poor Dijon side. Philip, mm. does this just show that there's still a lot of work to be done at Marseille? I think there's been I think there's been seri- I mean serious uh, improvements in that in that respect. I was at Caen last uh, last uh, week for a Ligue 2 game, and I, I happened to to go to the, the uh, local Irish pub, and the Marseille game was on. And you know, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. They were playing against Montpellier, and you know, Montpellier are a good side. They're very very experienced. So you know, with a defence of Hilton. Um, and uh, you got you got the Marseille players, you know, making chances. I mean, a lot of not chances, but you know, dangerous situations. And also, you know, this you know this this side is not that bad. But you know, I mean, Dijon uh, of of the of, of what I've been hearing is that uh, Dijon played with ten men behind the ball, and uh, the game was rubbish. Probably the worst game, one of the worst games of the season already. Probably the contender for best goal of the season, a game uh, contender for worst worst game of the season. I, I, I mean, if you're a Dijon fan, you can you can very very much understand that. I mean, they've had a terrible, terrible season. I my favourite is to finish bottom, and um, and uh, you know, putting it every everyone behind the ball, you know, it makes it makes sense, doesn't it? But, but you know, Marseille, yeah, picking up picking up the pieces. They're six. They're just three points from well, PSG, which is you know, a lot of people would would never have put a penny on that after seven, even after seven games. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. It seems as if 
yeah, it, it seems as if Marseille are starting to kind of put together a little bit of a plan. You know, we're only three years into their recent takeover and Andre Villas-Boas, who's still a very young manager, is at the helm and he's been given backing, um, you know, from his players, maybe not necessarily in the transfer market. But he's got he's got his starting living now. He knows who his best players are, pretty much like Dario Benedetto. How, how great a player has he been since joining from South America, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect him to to score. I mean, that, that that penalty you missed at the start, you thought you missed it. You thought, oh my, it's another one of the another, another striker that that's not going to um, perform well. But he's been he's been really good. He's been um, energetic across that that front line. He's been dropping back, picking up um, good positions uh, in sort of the the you know thirty yards from the field um, from from goal. Um, his finishing's been uh, been pretty good. He's he, he's quite a um, a tricky player to to sort of mark for for oppositions. What what I've, what I've seen, uh, he's difficult to pick up. Um, and hopefully for Marseille, he continues his his goal scoring form and, and and takes that that mantle uh, that they that really need, especially with with Tovan out now. Mm. Yeah, that I was going to talk about injuries. So they do have a couple of players that are out, like Tovan and also Alvaro Gonzalez, who I know a lot of Marseille fans were very impressed with in the early days of his loan period. But with everyone fit and everyone there and everyone, you know, holding arms and singing Kumbaya and ready to go forward, what is this current team capable of, Thomas? Where where could they finish in an ideal world? I think realistically it'll be um, probably just in the top six. Um, I mean, they could they could push for 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 perhaps a Champions League qualification spot, but I think it's important for for Marseille after this Champions project that's completely um, completely failed, um, just to lower their expectations, <laughs> yeah. to lower their expectations, and then start to rebuild from what there. Um, and just have faith in in um, Vias Boas going on through the season. Um, just have a, a, a good, strong season that then they can then develop on, and hopefully, you know, they get they get some some finances uh, some finances in to 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 bring in the the right players and, and get rid of some of the ones they they really should be uh, they should have left behind years ago. Mm. Yeah, it, it was. It was definitely a club, like, even looking back at when they were under Rudy Garcia, it was definitely a club that had a lot of players coming slightly to the end of their peak. You know, if you look at Metroglou and even Payet slightly entering that entering that phase now, it was quite... It was quite reassuring to see younger manager come in, some young, exciting players being brought into the team like Duya Kalatikar and also Bubakar Kamara, um, who was suspended for the last match. It's just been quite encouraging to see this team get a bit of life injected into it. It's well in the midfield with Maxime Lopez and Morgan Sanson, who's not old. It's just been it's just been a bit more encouraging for Marseille. Uh, and in this match, they'll be playing against Wren, who had a great start, but slightly tailed off in the last few matches. Philip, they've only scored two goals in their last four games, with Mbe Niang really looking like the only goal threat. But if he's not firing, where do the goals come from in this Wren side? It's been disappointing, though. It's been very disappointing. Um, defeat, the defeat to Nice 
as he uh, drew against drew against Lille. Uh, to be honest, it's a, it's a very easy could have lost that much, but uh, not scoring in the derby uh, a penalty. Actually, I think he put it over the bar or something. Was it wide? Mm. I think Didn't have target. <laughs> I, I don't think the goalkeeper saved it, and then and then not have a penalty on his own and score it. So you know, local bragging match and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, uh, extremely extremely talented inside Kamavinga. Uh, what was it? Three months, three uh, a month, a month or so ago, we were saying he, um, myself included, we were going to say he's going to be a world class football player. Now he goes a bit missing. Borjo is very experienced. You've got Gwini, who's pretty good. Um, still, we're still waiting on Rafi Gitan and uh, what what he can provide for him when he's fit. Um, I, I I do enjoy watching uh, Benjamin. It's Benjamin, is it? I think it is. Adrien, sorry. Adrien Unou. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you've got... Uh, yeah, well, actually, against against Lille, it's, it's, it's the first time I actually um, witnessed Rafinha. And um, I, I think I think for the moment he's underwhelming. But uh, in a couple of weeks, he 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 could be he could be quite uh, quite solid. I'm not sure if he's an international, so maybe if you can spend the next international break training, something like that. I mean, and he still still looks still looks very very talented. They just got uh, Jonas Mata, and they, you know they spent money. I mean, they, mm. they, they really they really did spend money. So yeah, it's been it's been disappointing. But again, you've got you've got Europa League to uh, to. Uh, to cope with uh, the game against Celtic was also also quite underwhelming too, and they didn't beat Celtic at home, which is you know not very good for confidence. No disrespect to, to, to Celtic fans. Still, um, in quality-wise, one of the best sides of the of the season. So now they have to yeah now they have to go to to Marseille. It'll be it'll be it'll be strange it'll be strange because for the first time for the first time in a long time you actually uh, fancy Marseille to win a game against a good side. So, what are our score predictions for this match? Philip, I'll start with you. I'm going to say 2-1 to Marseille. 2-1 to Marseille. Okay. Uh, Thomas? I'll say 3-1 to Marseille. 3-1 to Marseille. I will... We're supposing when... I'll probably go with like... I just don't see Wren scoring, really. They've not been great up front recently. Their only goal, I think, came through a penalty or something. And Ben Yang's not really been given a lot of support. I think it's something like a 1-0 or a 2-0 win for Marseille. I think it'll be pretty uninspiring from Wren, actually, yeah. in this we match. We haven't, we haven't really been very exciting. They haven't been great this season. I think Edouard Mandy has, has, has kept them in games. Um, yeah. They should, they should yeah. have conceded much more than they, than they have done already. Um, and they've got that. They've got a great a great squad when you look at it, but it's just not coming together at the moment. Well, let's move on to our next preview, which is going to be Nîmes versus Saint-Étienne. Uh, Saint-Étienne have had a difficult transition, to say the least, between Jean-Louis Gasset and the current manager, Gislain Printant. They have had five losses in their opening seven games, or rather, five losses and two draws in their last seven games. So, do you think they should stick with Printon, stick it out? You know, it's it's not been great recently. Is this just what's going to happen when you go to a rather inexperienced manager, or is it time to jump ship and bring someone else in? Thomas, what do you think about this? I don't, I don't really see. If they stick with with uh, with Printon, I don't, 
I don't see them getting anywhere close to what I thought they they could have achieved the season, which was you know close to to the European spots, you know, in 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 amongst the European spots. With the if you look at the the squad they've with, they've now got, you know, they they brought in some really impressive players that we've seen in the past in in league like Black Budaboos and 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 they brought in talented players like Makudi, who's who's really underwhelmed um, so far. He just looks. He just, his positions is kind of all over. He looks quite slow and lethargic, and um, it is concerning. But I think it's just. It, I think it's a. It's a. It could be a, a teaching point to to show that player power shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be dominating the decisions of the club, which it looked like it it has done. I mean. They 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 said that they wanted to to have Pantan on and and it hasn't worked out thus far. Um, it was it would look like it, there wasn't really any other candidates that were that were considered. It was just given that that he was he would be he would be taken over. Mm-hmm. But there's been talk recently of Claude Puel maybe getting the job. Printant still is in the job, but apparently, allegedly, he was asked to resign a couple a week ago, I think, with Claude Puel potentially being the man to come in. But Puel's maybe been rejecting offers. Let's say Puel was up for taking the job. Would you rather have Claude Puel in in the in the manager role ahead of Printant? Certainly. I mean, with Puel, you've got a, a manager that's done done well in Liga and, and knows the knows the league um, pretty well. Um, he can he can shore up that defence that that has been I mean leaking goals. I mean they conceded four against Angers, Angers which um, I mean even though they were they were the last couple of minutes, the defence completely collapsed. Um, and somehow allowed Casimir Ninga of all people to score score a hat trick. So definitely, if if Puel was uh, coming, I'd, I'd bring him in with a heartbeat in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just think it was a better appointment. Just generally, just a more experienced manager. It's a, it's a big club with new players coming in. It just wasn't the job for an inexperienced guy to get. Personally, no disappointment to Shizlon Printon because I know he's been around for a while, but I just don't think he was the guy right for the job. So Dunim stand. I just a bit can't up. believe it took us one hour to to mention the the Ninga Hatwick. <laughs> the second, uh, the second, second thing. We, yeah, yeah. Oh, respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no gloating from your part. I thought it would be the second <laughs> thing we talk about after Pages' defeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Onji Amion is the final game we're going to look at next. Actually, so I was just going to. Oh. Let yeah. Thomas run wild, talk all about Ninga, and just <laughs> let, let him go with that. But uh, yeah, on this match, Neem San Etienne, Neem stand quite a chance in this game, don't they? Neem haven't been incredible recently. They've not been as bad as, as some predicted them to be. Uh, they were unlucky to beat Montpellier, and they've only lost one of their last five games. So this does look like a game where Neem could come away with all three points, Philip. It, it honestly smells like uh, a game. Uh, where Saint-Étienne have um, a lot of pressure, even though they're away from home, and that uh, whatever happens, Nîmes, I mean, they, they won't be in any kind of trouble. So it's, the game is basically Saint-Étienne's to, to win. I mean, they, they really do need a result, otherwise Patron will be given the boot. Um, but, um, well, 
will that play in Nim's in Nim's favour? I mean, I'm, yeah, I think so. But I still, I just still uh, fear for them. I fear fear for them because uh, offensively, um, as a midfield doesn't look. I mean, it doesn't strike me with with much confidence to be honest. And I might be in the minority here, but I do believe that San City have been very very unlucky. Uh, despite playing not that bad football, I thought the game against Toulouse was very very good. Um, that Robert Beric has uh, has got uh, some kind of shooting boots on, which really doesn't happen uh, that often. And that player for player, the the, the, um, the the squad is is better, uh, even though Russia has already conceded twelve goals in six games, which is uh, you know uh, twice twice per game, which is enormous, especially for a goalkeeper of that quality. I don't know. I mean, if I if I were going to uh, to oust the the partant uh, um, element of the analysis, I would say Saint-Étienne would be would win hands down because they've, they've got so much good players. But so uh, right now, I mean, they're, they're really down in down in the dance rooms. Uh, they've lost at home to Metz. Uh, uh, I think it's Metz. It wasn't their first win. It was their second win. Well, the first one was against Monaco, so that doesn't count. But it's. It's very, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be I honestly wouldn't wouldn't be surprised uh, at uh, at a Saint Etienne win either, because uh, that would mean the players the players are backing uh, are backing the manager. Anyway, we shall see. Well, we didn't see one of Nîmes' better players this season against Montpellier, which was Roman Philippeau. But he's been a player that's mm-hmm. really impressed since moving up from League Two this season, hasn't he, Thomas? Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I was surprised. I'm been surprised at how how well he stepped up at, 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 in league. League Day was good at uh, Jose, I think it was. Um, yeah. But yeah. He, he, obviously, he's experienced experienced um, player in, in in France. He's been around for for uh, quite a while now. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been. I think he's probably been Nîmes' uh, best player, or one of the best players so far. It uh, just looks a new lease of life, really. He's just so nifty down that yeah, wing. It's, yeah, it's really agile. I think it was his goal against who was it Toulouse? I think he scored it against. It was an absolute worldie right into the top corner. He just mm. jinked in and set up his full back. He's just been so good since moving up. I've been really impressed with him because it's quite difficult at thirty-one to make a step up in your career. That doesn't happen so often, you know. So I've, I've definitely been impressed with him, and I think he's going to play quite a big part in this match. See, that, sure. that's one of the rare players who can actually make things happen for Nîmes. I, I believe. Yeah. Him and, you just don't see anything happening. Yeah, him and um, Fairhat, and I think it's it's Dulevic are the players that really make things happen for mm. Neem. And with Dulevic out right now, it's a wee bit of a scary situation. But f- just give the ball to Philip Atoll, and I think he'll just make things happen. Yeah. Um, so, what are our score predictions for this match? Do we think Philip Atoll will score a hat trick, or will it be San Etienne who finally get on form with a with a solid win? Thomas, I'll start with you. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a two-all draw. Um, both offences are, I mean, aren't great at, at the moment. Um, San Etienne, even though they're out of form, might might produce some quality. Um, if they if they back in if the players are backing plants on then then um, they should really come out and, and perform. Uh, so it, it should be a an exciting game. 
Philip? 1-0 uh, to Saint-Étienne. 1-0 Saint-Étienne. So it seems like I'm the only person who actually thinks Nîmes is going to go and win this match. Yeah, I, th- I think Nîmes are going to win uh, 2-1, let's say. I feel like Saint-Étienne will get on the score sheet against Nîmes, who aren't that good at the back. But yeah, I'm going to back Nîmes to win 2-1. And Thomas, it's the, it's the moment you've been waiting for to talk about Ange. So, Ange, <laughs> yes. they've been great so far. Go, wax lyrical. What do you think? What's, what's it been like so far? Um, <laughs> uh, I've been shocked at how, uh, at how well we've, we've performed. I mean, you look at the, the games we've had, we had quite a few home games initially against teams that um, had struggled. First was Bordeaux, all over the place at the moment. They've got themselves back together a little bit since. Um, Mets was like a, a schooling really for them, um, but with every every sort of uh, challenge that we've that we've we've had, we've we've sort of dealt with pretty well. Um, I mean, we can ignore the uh, the away games because they were <laughs> against you know it wasn't it wasn't great performances, and these two teams in Leon and Lille that um, I didn't really expect to get any points out of, but the performances were um, concerning. So this the, the Toulouse game uh, midweek was. It was obviously Toulouse a uh, still a fairly st- struggling side, but it was a game to see how we do, how Angers do uh, perform away from home, and and it was, uh, I mean, two 0 does flatter them a little bit, just like the Sanitian game shouldn't have been four one, it should have been probably two one or three one, mm-hmm. um, but the it was Angers were sort of sitting quite deep and and frustrating. Toulouse um, from really creating any, any chances, and down the other end, Toulouse were just packing the the the, the, the penalty area with plenty of players. So any Angers crosses were coming in were being were being dealt with um, pretty well, and, and they were they were frustrating Angers as well. And and it was too many rash um, long shots from from Bobby Sean and and Alioui. And I just kept thinking, oh, stop taking so many long shots. And there's a free kick that lined up and Aliou was stood in front of it. I thought, oh, just try oh, something else apart from a long shot. Why can't you just try and chip it into the box or something? <laughs> and then he scores a brilliant um It's a an brilliant absolute goal. rocket. Go and watch yeah. it if you've not seen it. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, okay. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll shut my mouth for uh, for a minute there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just brilliant. And then obviously the last... Um, the last uh, dying moments of the game. Uh, there's a, a Santa Maria, I think, cuts a ball and and hits it um, downfield, and, and Ninga gets on the end of it and chases chases um, towards goal, and and it shrugs off the defender and, and sort of holds it up and and plays it to Alu, and it's an easy finish for him. It's it's uh, I mean the strongest attack in the league at the moment. We are overperforming. Um, we're just finishing. I mean, Ninga against Sanetti, and even though he had a, plenty of space, his finishes were so confident and, and they looked so easy. Um, so we're running running quite high. Um, I mean, Stefan Moulin is just working working wonders, really. And and um, it's, there's more to come from Angers. The, I'm still concerned about the the um, defence. I think you look at the. Every time I look at the formation and the and the the lineup, I sort of go down from from the strikers to midfields to defenders. I think, oh, that's great, that's exciting, that's great, that's exciting. Oh, okay, well, uh, let's just focus on the other two. Um, but yeah, uh, Amiano at home, 
Um, let's hope uh, we can continue that that great home form. Amiens normally quite a frustrating team to play for us, but uh, I don't think we've lost um, against them since since promotion. So hopefully uh, another uh, another three points and added pressure to to PSG. Yeah, it looks absolutely. like a, yeah, it looks like a. a, a Aside from us, but you know we we easy to beat at home these days. Um, it looks like a, a pretty pretty de- decent run of games after that. Because we get Brest at home, well, more probably away is tough. I I mm. that Strasbourg at home. But first of all, Brest and Strasbourg at home. You know that's doable. Uh, Rance away. Well, that's you know never know. And Nîmes at home. So this is the last. So next four home games because Amiens are beatable, but they lost to Bordeaux. Um, Amiens, Brest, Strasbourg, and Nîmes. Um, when you add the fact that you are on a 100% record, just one, two goals conceded in five games um, at home. Or, yeah, it is five games, which is no, it's it's four games. Sorry. Oh which yeah. Is, yeah, which is which is pretty damn good. So I don't know. Maybe there was a season where you had the same thing when when uh, we were we were walking the league. I'm not sure when when that was. And Angers was second. At yeah, it was the first first season promoted back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You finished. I think it was ninth. Ninth. Yeah. Yeah, like you didn't, you know, you didn't really uh, bother being Europeans. Yeah, it was. Uh, that do, was the. Do you think? Do you think the same thing could happen? That uh, Moulin is just uh, just as usual, waiting to get forty points on the table, and uh, maybe a bit more, maybe fifty, sixty. And uh, just say, okay, we've got enough. Uh, see you next season. <laughs> I mean, could 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 ambition creep in? Yeah, I think um, I think Moulin's looking. I mean, when we first got promoted, there was a it was a it was a lack of, of real uh, offensive quality <laughs> in the squad. We lost Codger to to Bristol City, and we 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 brought in free transfers from from League Day. There was no. There was no money spent on on transfers, and Moulin set up the the, the team to be very organised, extremely organised, and and to to be a killer at set pieces. I mean, you got if you've got shaken door, you've you've got to use him. And and we were, I mean, a really really great set piece set piece team. And and as as the years have gone on, you can see that there's been more attacking elements added into the into the team and the the. The level of play um, that that we've been producing has as as developed year on year, and now we've got real attacking depth and attacking talent. Um, and Moulin and, and and Piku themselves have been, I think they've they, there's an underlying frustration at the the sale of um, Adelaide because they they hoped that that he him staying at the club. For at least another season would help them push on, and there wasn't um, a financial need to sell him. Um, but I think it was something that the player wanted to to leave, and the president was was looking to make that that cash on him there and then. Um, so the the I think the the real uh, crucial part for for the upcoming season and, and in the future, if it's if it's for for PQ staying, who who is has been linked. I mean he's. He's been at the club for 13 years, and he came in in 2006, where they had the club had no money at all, and he's he's built it, he's built the, the the scouting network from the ground up. He's been phenomenal, 
and I think his ambitions now uh, that the club does develop further and, and aims higher and it just needs that that backing and that investment and who knows how far Andre can go. It's quite an exciting mm-hmm. club at the moment, so generally, Andre. Just a quick note on Amion before we finish. They've had a, a, some some major injury problems with Prince Guano and Saman Godos and also Musa Kanati all out for this match. How much of a boost would it be to have Kanati in this Amion team? And how much do they struggle when they don't have him, Thomas? Uh, at the start of the season, I, I mean, I would have said, um, a lot, and he was their their star player. But Giassi has has come in and really, and he's still uh, 20, 24, 23, still very yeah, young. Yeah, I think he's about twenty three. Uh... Yeah, he was he was he was um, quite good last last uh, season. He showed he showed promise, but um, he's he, I think he might have scored one or two goals. Um, but he's looked he's looked impressive. Um, he had quite a tough time in in, in Germany, but Canate, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I mean, he's, he's had quite a few injuries now, and it's concerning to see if he does come back with the same level of fitness and and the same form that he can um, sort of get back into the squad. Um, but with with a player like Gassi, it's um, less of a concern that, than I would have said at the start. And Elsner came from, I mean, obscure, obscurity. Not yeah. I mean, nobody nobody really really knew. Um, his uh, managerial career before this, but he's he's um, embedded himself in the club quite nicely. And even though the they're the, the still you know the, the bottom bottom half of the, the the table and lower bottom half, they've been playing some some a more. I mean, not I'm not going to say great football, but um, been playing a little bit more exciting um, than I, than I would have thought. They've just overperformed, I think. From better than yeah. everything, think. and I think Elsner's done very well from for for what he has at Amion. So, what do we think this match is going to finish, Thomas? What is your score prediction for this game? Uh, oh, um, Angers two two nil, two nil. Philip four one. Ninga was a hat trick. Another one. I thought yeah. you, I thought you meant for Amio or not. So, uh, and uh, let let him come out on the five minutes from time to make things a bit more interesting. <laughs> I do See like do I do like Casimir Ninga. I thought he was very good at um, at Cannes last season. I thought he was kind of undervalued at Cannes actually. Uh, but for this match, I'm going to. I don't think Amio will score. Um, but Angie are very good going forward right now. So I'll say three 0 Onji, I'll be quite confident. Amion are just going to win now, aren't they? And we're just going to look like absolute idiots. I think we, yeah. all three of us, pretty much want to to for things to stay as they are, so we get a big showdown next Saturday. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> it just, that would just be incredible. Well, I show, I show our next Saturday, Neil. We're five, almost, we're big almost big. more confident of Angers beating Amiens than we are of, of PSG winning at Bordeaux. <laughs> Strange time. <laughs> Strange, uh, strange times. But thank you very much for listening to this episode of the preview show. That wraps us up for this week. You can find more information all about football things that are French at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. You can also find us at Twitter at GFFN. Uh, I've been your host, Lewis McParlin, and I've been joined by Philip Bargiel and Thomas Wiseman. 
If you want a little bit more information on Onji, you can read the article that was written by GFFN's own Adam White and Eric Devon that was published in The Guardian this week. A very interesting article on A, just how they're doing generally in Ligue but also how they've been very good at, like Thomas was saying, getting players up from Ligue 2 and getting them adapting into the top league of France. A very interesting article indeed. But that wraps us up. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week.